difficult, 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 Hi. Oh my gosh. Welcome. Look at you here. I'm here inside the house. Me too. <laughs> oh my God, it's great. We're not potting outside. No, no, no. We are in my apartment coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. What, what? what are you listening to? Tell them, Katie. <laughs> I'm listening to Us Talking, which is going to be a podcast called Difficult Women. Yeah. I'm Marie. I'm Katie. And we are so very grateful that you are tuning into our pod. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, it's been an exciting ride. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, I, I, we missed something last week. What did we miss last week? Your freaking birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. I have something for you. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> I got Katie a present. It's in a Santa bag. It's in a Christmas bag. I, <laughs> I got that for you. This is wonderful. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> God, they need to start like. Where we should be advertising with them. It's the Satisfier Pro 2. Yeah! <laughs> I got Katie what I've been talking about for months now. I cannot wait to Just try this. Why is it open? Were you using this one? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure this isn't yours? No, Amazing. that's the one. So I actually uh, accidentally got sent, two sent to me. So um, from adamandeve.com. Oh my gosh. Thank yes. You. One speaking of our sponsors. Uh, yeah, speaking, I was hoping there was batteries in it. But no, it's, no, um, it is. You can turn it on. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Turn Sounds up the like volume. Kitten. Why? Jesus. Whoa. God, whoa, I don't know whoa, you guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you got to start low. You okay, gotta start. I'm, I'm a little scared now, but it's going to be fun. You just clamp it on your clip. Great. Okay, well, I'm going to try it out and I'll let you know how it goes. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoy it. No, no. Please don't. I just really like the idea of like women giving other women vibrators for their birthday because it honestly is one of the best gifts ever. And Sorry, sorry. When I was right out of college, my roommate... Uh, we bought each other the rabbit. <laughs> See? Yeah. And isn't that a gift that keeps on giving? Oh my God. Uh, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say, disclaimer, this it's very powerful. Okay, so I'm a careful. little scared, but I'll, yeah, I'll be get careful. back to you on that. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. You're welcome. Happy birthday. It. I love thank you. you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, speaking of satisfiers, um, we did an episode two weeks ago about incels who are not satisfied with anything, apparently. <laughs> And we, nice I don't know segue. if y'all are listening to it this way or if you know about this, but we also put our uh, our episodes up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And um, they, people have been listening on YouTube. That's great. But we very, 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 very rarely get any comments on any of those episodes. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem like the primary way people listen to the podcast and stuff. But lo and behold, surprise, 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 we've been getting comments galore oh from my the God. incels. From the incels. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Troll, Troll Time. Time. So here are a couple <laughs> comments that we got uh, on this episode. Um, oh, here's one. It's just a little bit sarcastic. It says, two feminists are talking about incels. Wow. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Next one, women want equality of only the good things, but not the bad things. For example, women will talk about a female president, but never talk about a female bricklayer and or coal miner. So that's interesting because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that I mean, not that I agree with that at all, but I was like, I know that that's wrong. So I looked it up and 
specifically, there are a lot of women coal miners that have been fighting for the right to uh. get jobs. Because like sometimes in those communities, those are like the only jobs or the best paying jobs. Mm-hmm. And they've historically not really been allowed to be coal miners. So it's a big deal for a woman to get those jobs so she can pay her bills. And women are really fighting for those jobs. Sure, they had historically fought for them. So there are female coal miners. And then in the bricklayer department, uh, there are women fighting to get those bricklaying jobs too. Because again, they're good jobs. They want to have, they, they want to be mm-hmm. employed and working in jobs that they can be very, very skilled at. Uh, and so actually you're wrong. Oh, <laughs> and look are, at that. We're yeah. talking, two women talking about women uh, bricklayers and coal miners. Yeah, and we so are all that. for anybody uh, being able to work where they feel like working and mm-hmm. where they have skill sets that they want to use to make an income. Right. Okay, how about this? Um, <laughs> Another troll. How about this one? Oh, please, women can't even kill a bug without a man. That's not true. That's I kill bugs true. all the time. That's yeah. my that's my hobby. <laughs> Wait, I do have like, to tell this story. When I was home, um, I was cooking, and all of a sudden, a stink bug came out of nowhere, and it fell from like the light above the oven. So it fell. I was trying to make popovers, and it fell right on the popovers that I'd just taken out of the oven. And my sister and I, we watched this bug like fry on the hot pot. And started screaming so much that my dad came in and he kind of started screaming too. And it was just a fun little family moment. But well, I did kind of scream for my dad to come and kill this why bug. Why are you but supporting this? No, I'm not. I'm not. It was a funny thing. And you know what? We killed this bug. Oh, actually, we didn't even kill it. We let it go for free. I'm not into but, That's actually true. I'm not so much about the killing the bug. But I'm happy. Yeah. I'm frequently the one that to goes in. And, the, yeah, yeah. I go in and catch it. But together as a family, we set this thing free. On fire? I thought you <laughs> we said set it, it like on fire. <laughs> anyway. Well, I was dead. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. There's one more that I just wanted to hit on real quick. Somebody wrote, Coach Blackpill, get in here. This is a load of crap. Uh, <laughs> huh. And Who's I was coach? like, who the fuck is Coach Blackpill? But he's an incel oh. um, YouTube content creator. And he describes himself as neutral when it comes to the gender war, <laughs> which is like, oh. if you're going into gender war, you're already not neutral. But that's right. cool. Um And he says that he does not believe that females are objectively privileged over men politically. He tries to deliver an objective point of view that's not biased towards one side or the other. However, he treads carefully around the topics of inceldom because the majority of his viewers are incels. Okay. Well, what is the last one um, on our YouTube thing? uh, It says low T. So low testosterone. That's just a comment of that we have low testosterone. I actually have zero idea what that means. Low T. Okay, um, but it's but you know, fascinating. That's Absolutely. Why. So that was my fear is like right. actually doing an episode on incels while incels be coming after us. And we got You're a little right, yeah. bit of trolling. Yeah. We got, but but very little. Thank you. But um, but it just goes to show like how insecure are you that like, no, you know, who, who cares? What's the big deal? We didn't even say anything that bad about incels. Right. We were trying right. to understand their, their plight. Mm-hmm. But nope, they don't care. Right. And we did get a couple of emails from men um, just saying, you know, thank you for doing the incel episode. And then um, one man even was saying, like, I think that uh, the point that really hit home for him was that being a father and he was telling us how he's he's a good dad and has, you know, dinner with his kids. And we were like, that's great. So thank you for all listening to our incel episode. I'm glad that we survived it. But now we're on to a new episode. But first we have to plug our, our partnership. favorite thing in the world. Yes. And that what is, is that? AdamandEve.com. AdamandEve.com. So, you know, uh, free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve 
loads on the free stuff. Enter code Horio at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies. Plus free shipping. That's exciting. <laughs> That's Horio. W-H-O-R-E-O. Horio at adamandeve.com. Wow. What a what a gift that we've just given the world. For, for real. <laughs> Use it. It's pretty cool. Well, let's get into today's episode. I can't believe she was available. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's a friend of mine who I've known in New York City for 15 years now. She is an actor. She is a writer, storyteller. Ladies and gentlemen, Ana Maria Jamoca. That's Ana Maria Rodriguez Jamoca Pato Travieso. Yes. Your turn. <laughs> Your turn. Katie? My name is uh, Catherine Adelfin. <laughs> Marie know. Cecile Anderson. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to Difficult Women. Yes, I qualify. Yay. Of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, and could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do here in New York City? <laughs> what I do in New York City. Uh, for love or money? <laughs> <clears throat> Oceans apart, ladies. Um, so I am, um, I am originally from Miami, born and raised in Miami, and came here about 25 years ago to become a rich and famous actress. It's going fabulously. <laughs> I know you all know my name. Um, and, uh, and along the way, uh, I sort of, uh, became a writer. Well, I have to say, uh, your resume, just real quick, you've done pretty much every show that films in New York city. You've done broad city. You've done orange is the new black. You were on 30 rock, uh, and a very memorable character also. Um, and I remember when you booked that too, cause we'd right. go way, way me. back. That's um, right. yeah, I was with you when we were catering and you got the email that you yeah. had booked 30 rock, which was so cool. Um, you've also done every single law and order. There's like special victims unit, yes. criminal C- minds. SVU. Yes. SVU was the last one that I, that I had, that I hadn't done. And I did it, uh, last year and I was like, well, I can technically as an actor, I can just die now. I can give it up. I've done all the law and orders. I'm good. That's like an EGOT or something, right? Yeah. Where you like get all the, it's very few people that I think have hit every single one of those. All right. Well, I thought it would be so fun to have you on uh, because it is Hispanic Heritage Month, which when I okay. called you, yes. this was so funny. So it took two white, ivory white women <laughs> to inform me and educate me that it was Hispanic Heritage Month. And I was like, what? Yeah, because it's Hispanic Heritage Month, and we'd like you to say a few words. And I'm like, it's what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I had to Google fucking Hispanic Heritage Month. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, are, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you, ladies, for, for bringing this to my radar. <laughs> Yes, my grandmother is rolling in her grave. No. Oh. Well, no, she's not. She didn't know about Hispanic Heritage Month. She'd be like, what? Que? <laughs> que eso? Well, so we invited you here today because we crossed paths a couple, like a month ago when yeah. we were at Caveat. Remember, listeners, we had uh, we were promoting our hour show here in New York City. So we both walk in. You know, we're about to do sound check, but there's still a, a show going on. And there... Lo and behold, is Anna on stage telling the most beautiful story. And so we actually um, invited her 
to come here on the podcast today to share the story that we saw her perform live at Caveat just last month in New York City. And I'm taught, you know, the, the tying into it is the... <laughs> Hispanic Heritage Which Month. Which we, we all know is this month, all of October. Everybody knows. Hispanic yeah. Heritage Month. <laughs> Tell all your neighbors <laughs> well, that so, look Hispanic. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. horrible. Oh, no, don't do that. No. Well, don't do that. So what was the show that you were on at Caveat? Because it was a storytelling show. Yes, it's, uh, it's, women, it's called um, Nevertheless, She Existed. And uh, Kylie Halloway runs it. She's an amazing. She runs incredible programming there. She's the one who booked us. Yes. So shout out. She is amazing. Yes. And um, I was introduced to her through another one of her programs, which was more about like sort of paranormal ghost story kind of um, storytelling. And then she started this uh, a few months ago, which is called um, Nevertheless, She Existed. And it's basically about women that have been erased from history. You know, we have all the headliners, the obvious ones, you know, the Calamity Janes and all those people, but um, there are, not surprisingly, many, many women who were um, incredible heroes in their lifetime and were just sort of swept under the carpet. And um, and the, the theme this month was specifically Women of the Wild West. So, so in my research was, which was hours and hours and hours, and this is a testament to like the women being swept under. All I could find was these women like Calamity Jane, all the obvious ones that they had made films of and glorified them. And what I started to notice during my research is that most of these women were glorified for taking on stereotypical male traits. You know, the drunkenness, the ruthlessness, the gunslinging, the, you know, all of those, like the possessiveness, the, you know, I take my woman and and then she likes it and that sort of stuff, like that whole sort of volatile kind of, and I was like, that's not, that's not what I'm drawn to and that's not what inspires me. And so I kept digging and digging and I'm telling you, I, I mean, hours and hours and hours of pouring into um, the research library, plug, plug, research library um, in, uh, in Midtown. And um, finally finding one, th- this, uh, the topic of the whole Mexican Revolution, which was uh, these, these women that were called soldaderas, adelitas, cucarachas, and they all, they all are... Each name represents a different image. For example, soldaderas was the female soldiers, but um, they within the soldaderas, there's two categories. There's the fighting soldiers, the ones that were actually in combat, and then the soldaderas, the other ones that cooked and cleaned and just mm-hmm. camp followers and, and whatnot, which they, uh, they got sort of the short end of the stick. And then Adelitas were sort of the, uh, again, the romanticizing. They were sort of the Marilyn Monroes of the troops, you know, so they they were they were adored and cherished and all that because that's what they represented. They came in and did their little like hoochie coochie dance and and then the cucarachas were the harlots. They were considered like the ones that just you know fucked the men and relieved them and just like you know that whole sort of May West kind of badass stuff. Um, and then uh, and then so I finally came upon this one woman by the name of Angela Jimenez. And um, she, uh, like many of the soldaderas, disguised themselves as men so that they would not have to deal with, you know, being scrutinized or, 
or prejudiced, so they can just go straight into battle. And some of these women had amazing, amazing organic and natural instinct for battle. Um, and were, some of them were actually, you know, co made coronadas, which was, you know, colonels. Um, very few, very few. So what I started to notice also was that um, among the soldaderas, the same thing was happening, where these women would take these male traits. And womanizing was among them and all of this stuff. And I found this one woman, I found a couple of women who um, disguised herself as a man just to get into battle and do what she, what, what she I guess, knew she could do. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, and you're going into uh, to fight against the, the, the federales, which was the federal, the federal government at the time, um, and you have a choice whether to cook or just hurl yourself into battle. I mean, I might have a, I might have a massive Libran indecisive moment <laughs> right then and there. Like, do I really want to? You know, and uh, and she full on went right into battle, and um, as a man. And then at one point, um, she uh, there was an incident where she was being honored for uh, having saved a whole, like, 200 troops. Mm -hmm. And um, she stormed into, the, into her comandante's uh, tent and said, I want you to know that the soldier that has just saved your life and the life of 200 soldiers, and then she just started taking off her clothes, said, is a woman. Mm, so... <laughs> and... I just um, got chills, yeah. Yeah. And from that moment on, she was um, recognized as a woman, and she was lucky because she was still respected. That didn't always happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of the women got a lot of flack, and then immediately, it was almost instantly, where the respect was completely taken away. It's like, like no matter what they had done, what they had shown, the fact that she was a woman, and also back then, um, this kind of female deception would have given him complete license to actually execute her. Mm. You know, he didn't. So then from that moment on, she continued as a woman, and that attracted me so much because, um, I mean, I, th I think we can all, uh, I could anyway, sort of bring that to present day where I feel sometimes like as a woman, um, even, even women that are becoming men, I feel feel like there's something that they're abandoning or they're rejecting or saying, I don't want to do that, rather than, you know, I really want to fully embrace being a man. Mm. There's, there's always some sort, not always, but there is a trace of like saying, I don't want that. I don't want a vagina or I don't want tits or I don't want that female trait. And they're all just traits and, and, and stereotypes that we have come up with. Sure. And also that the, our culture has also said that, that it's less than. So vagina is less than a penis. And having breasts is not desirable, you know, yep. in the grand scheme of who has the power and who, you know, who has the value. And I totally hear what you're saying about how cool it is that she owned her femininity and said, you know... You, you believe that women are incapable of these things. Well, guess what? A woman just saved your lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and what I found really especially attractive about Angela is that she sort of, from that example, and also she, she stood up for the lot of, a lot of the female sordaderas that were getting um, 
a lot of criticism and disrespect for being camp followers, for not having a mind of their own, for just being the the soldiers' whores. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Convenience. I was going to say that, too, that how how crazy that we also don't want to acknowledge everybody's role in these revolutions. You know, mm. every single person that was helping in one way or another should have value. And that, you know, if it's a, if it's a cucaracha, then what's right. There, it's an important role that they yeah, play. And there's the argument about like, uh, legalizing prostitution, yeah. you know, it's like, why not? Right. <laughs> Right. If you're, if it's a service that's being used, yeah. why are we saying that? It's a that's, business. Yeah, if I choose to use my body to, you know, um, pay my rent, that's my fucking business. Yeah. And people are buying it. So don't pretend like it's the women are doing something mm-hmm. that nobody wants them to do right. or something. Right. Yeah. So it just feels like we're, we're constantly subject to this, this theory or this um, sort of conditioned thinking. And back then... You know, that took a lot of um, cojones, I wanted to say, but God, that, that might <laughs> put me in the... Yeah. <laughs> that might just con- contradict everything I've said. Right. Pussy power. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, as Ani DeFranco says, you know, men are just afraid of pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's true. <laughs> um, so was Freud, by the way, everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> so um, so she she also campaigned for them. She campaigned for the sordaderas that were uh, that were treated and and also written off in the history books as these dispensable. Mm-hmm. They can come and go. But let me tell you, these men they, they wouldn't have been able to feed themselves. Right. They wouldn't have been able to like he- heal themselves. Right. They 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 were turned, these women were turned nurses overnight within the hour. Yeah. They were the ones that were caretaking. And um, and there was a lot of scorn and scrutiny about that, too, where even Pancho Villa, you know, almost set out on a campaign to just completely rid all the soldaderas and the female camp followers from the troops. I had read that he had even had, I think, 90 of them. Um, yeah, he killed. did. He did. That was actually, uh, that was in the story that I had... Um, that I had told at Caveat, which is the incident is basically he had um, taken over one of the train stations that were part of the feder- federales, the, the opposing, um, the enemy. And uh, he kidnapped her, took in, into, uh, imprisoned, uh, took as prisoners uh, 90 women and their, and their kids. And one of the women, you know, fired a shot. A shot was fired. And um, and it nipped his hat, and he turned around and he said, "Who f- who fired that shot?" And nobody answered. So he pulled out his gun, and he aimed it at the level of all their heads and the kids. Who fired that shot? And then this older woman stepped forward. And she said, "We all did." Mm. And then a woman behind her said, "We all want you dead. Mm. We all want mm. to kill you." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Okay." You want you want to kill me? Well, you're gonna die before I do. Mm. And so he shot them all, kids included. And even at the at the end, when they were burying them, uh, one of the soldiers found a child, a boy that was still alive, an infant. And he asked Banchovia, "What do I do with him?" And Banchovia looked at the baby, looked at the soldier, and said, "Are you going to raise him?" 
Are you going to take care of him? And the soldier didn't have an answer. He said, then shoot him. God, I can't even. And he did. But like these kind of lengths to like suppress. But what I found so incredibly um, inspiring about that story is that the women knew that they were that they could die, that they were going to die. And they didn't give a shit. Mm. They were like, I'm going to tell you how I feel about you. We want you dead. And to clarify, these were soldiers that were fighting for him on his side, right? That no. To, oh, no, there was the other side. No, no. Oh, sorry. It was from the Zapatistas, oh, I okay. believe. Um, I might have gotten my history. I know they weren't, they weren't on his side, but um, it might have been the Zapatista camp because there were three, three rebel forces going. Um, Pancho Villa, the Zapatistas, and another one that didn't make much news. So I guess that was the other <laughs> thing that's interesting about the Mexican Revolution is I didn't know much about it and mm. I read about it, but it was there was just a lot going on. <laughs> and it oh my went God. on for questionable amounts of time. People say, oh, it ended in the 20s. Some people say it ended in the 40s. It started in around 1910. Is that correct? 1910 to 1920 was the brunt of it. But it was a shit show. It was, talk about like male, like it was penises scrambling <laughs> for power. Yeah. And Isn't then that one would just be what war is hello? Like across the board. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then one penis would get cut off, then another one would step <laughs> oh, in, <God>. and then <laughs> that one would get cut off, and then another one would oh, step in. And it was like these idiots scrambling for power. And and you're only you're only as good as your last assassination. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy. So so then these rebel forces, it was all about power. It was always about that. And um so yeah, it's so fascinating, and I would I don't know I just uh, how cool that you found that story to tell that you know and I I was sort of inspired after sort of doing a quick little check about what was going on and hearing your story and all that just about women in the military period mm-hmm. and um, I found this article in the New York Times where it, and I won't go through the whole thing but it just was the article is called Forty Stories from Women About Life in the Military and the the scope of stories that people decided to tell, you know, some people were talking about the the proud day that they got into the military. One was telling a story about how she didn't tell her parents until the day she was deployed because she knew they would stop her mm-hmm. and she really wanted to serve. Um, and they've sent, the family has since been as proud of her and glad that that happened. Um, and that just like a lot of women saying things like, this is m- me showing up at this base. Mm-hmm. I was the first woman ever and there's so many first woman ever stories um but i also want to mention that 20 percent of the u.s military right now is female which i think was wow i mean yeah and it's been growing very slowly wow. but um and they and 20 percent of those women that there's 20 percent of women in the military they take up um they are active in 95 percent of the jobs Oh, wow. so it's not like they're all nurses it's not like that mm-hmm. it's like they you know women are really working to to do the jobs they know they can do and I think that's cool. There's also one lady who was like, I'm, I was, I'm a Wiccan. <laughs> and they like accepted my religion as Wiccan. And I, that's how I got into the military. Was What's a Wiccan? Reading. Oh, that's a witch. <laughs> We're witches. We love witches. Too. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we did a whole witch episode. No. Yeah. I am, I am super right now. Bru- Bruhaing. Yes. In Brujeria. Yes. That's amazing. Well, so how did Angela's story end? Because... There was, you were also talking about how, um, wasn't she an expert on like blowing up bridges and things? Yes, she and was. so she started she doing was an that explosive towards the end and then expert. 
And then did she end up married? Can you imagine having that on your resume. Um, yes, I would love that. Explosives <laughs> expert. Are you kidding me? No, actually, that is what I am. I am an explosives expert. I, I can help you. But she would blow up bridges? She would blow up bridges. She was also a spy. Amazing. Oh. Oh. Amazing. And what she would do is she would, um, uh, she would use her little gender crossing to very tactical um, measures. She would go into the camp. One time she was imprisoned, and she convinced one of the uh, soldaderas that would, uh, that would give food to the prisoners come in every day. Not, not the soldaderas, more like the, they were just the camp followers. And um, she convinced this woman to bring her some female clothes. Mm -hmm. So the next day, the woman came in. First of all, I would have loved, loved to have had that conversation between her <laughs> and the woman who is free, just giving mm -hmm. food to the, to the, like, you know, like, was that a moment of, no, I can't, I'm going to get in trouble? Or was it like, fuck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting you out. Let's yeah. do this. Bring it on. So the next day she came with a, with, um, a skirt and the whole full-on gear, and uh, she dressed. Angela Jimenez dressed as a woman, took her food basket, and they both walked out of prison <laughs> together. Amazing. Then she set up uh, to have uh, explosives and um, artillery uh, out in some fields. She had, she had people uh, set it up there. And then she came back the next day and freed, like, I think it was like 22 uh soldiers mm. and then they went they picked up all the uh, artillery and then they just drove off drove off yeah. <laughs> rode, rode <laughs> off, off if yeah. only in a helicopter um and then they uh, rode off uh, she returned the males to their camp and then she took off with her own brigade of women mm. <gasps> cool. so so that's that's what she did she, she, she was kind of this um uh, she was also a great cook mm. and at one point i remember that there was um there were soldiers that were starving to death. They hadn't eaten in like three days. So she said, come on, we're going on a little adventure. And she got them to go down to some, uh, an hacienda that belonged to an, uh, a North American, which they were thrilled. <laughs> so they broke in and she ordered them to kill, uh, kill two cows. And one of the, one of the soldiers said, they have, they have five cows. Why don't we just kill all five? And she's like, Yes, they have five cows, but we only need two. Yeah. I was like, that's a woman. Yeah, there that's you go. I was going to say. That's a woman. That's reasonable. You uh -huh. know, it's like, yes, they have five. We only need two. We don't two. need to pillage yes. them. We can just take what so, we need. So she fed them, and, uh, and there was a moment where she was sort of looking around and, and saying, wow, you know, they were so happy. They were eating. They were finally, and she knew in that moment, she's like, I was the only person who knew how to cook. Mm. So it wasn't a gender thing. Right. It was a necessity thing. Right. So she cooked for them, and she said, if not, they would have starved. I felt it was my duty and my obligation, not as a woman so much, no. but as a leader. And, uh, and then she, she sort of looked around the room and was taking the inventory and how happy and joyful they were and how simple they mm. were. And that's what she said. Man is so simple. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. But later she also, um, years after, she, um, she, she stayed in Mexico to help uh, with uh, veterans' rights and, and, again, championing for the soldaderas and their reputation and, and the actual value that they had in the Mexican Revolution. And then she moved to California and started the Chicano rights movement, among many things. So it was sort of a lifelong 
of sort of crusade. Yeah. That it wasn't just a, which happened to some of the women where, you know, well, that's over the Mexican Revolution. I'm going back to my life. You know, for her, it was a lifelong kind of thing that she couldn't, um, she couldn't not continue right. as a life. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what year she died? No, and I couldn't find it. That's interesting. I was just wondering since, because one thing that's so weird about this to me is 1910 isn't that long ago. I know, know, right? And that's the beginning. And then if they say, by some measures, it ended around the 40s, that's really not that long Mm. ago. Well, the Chicano movement happened in, I don't know, I didn't write the dates. No, sorry, yeah. I, mean, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, but I, I no, because I remember that was a point of like I, I researched for a good a week trying to find when this woman died, which is a testimony right there right. to like you know talk about erased women. Right, mm. right. You know, it's like we all know the dates of you know a lot of the men. Sure. You know, but it was really hard to find um, the the dates and also specifics on what these women did. Because in my research, what I found were there were these grand sweeps of generic info. And then they would like say, oh, this woman did this and this. And then there was another woman that mm. did that and they named them. But they never got into detail about each person. It was more like these historical bullet points. Right. Mm, you right. know, women were historical bullet points, not to be um, uh, detailed or elaborated on too not deeply. Not to have a real voice. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, did she end up getting married? Did she, did she, she say did. this big grand thing about seduction? She, oh, that's right. She's like, <laughs> you, that was a big thing when she, when she first became a male soldier, um, she made it very clear that, uh, that she, any male that would try to seduce her, that she would shoot them. <laughs> oh yeah. On the spot. Ditto. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> And uh, I don't think she ever had to come mm-hmm. come through on her word. I think they got it, mm-hmm. you know, to the credit of the men. Mm-hmm. Um, they got it on the first round. Yippee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, and she wasn't one to, like, you know, get married. And then later <laughs> in life, she was uh, told by a doctor that um, there is the gunpowder that soldiers inhale and swallow to give them courage to go out into battle and feel sort of invincible, mm. and that that doing that might have, you know, caused her infertility. <laughs> yeah, would they put gunpowder in tequila and take yes! shots of it? They right. would. They would just swallow that stuff, like chug mm. that stuff down, swig mm. it on down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then, and then, so her response to that was like, okay, well, I can't have children. So what she did is she went out and she adopted a bunch of kids, a lot of disabled oh, kids, cool. a lot of uh, mentally and emotionally um, and physically challenged kids, and um, kind of like the old woman in a shoe. <laughs> and then when her when her husband later later in life, well, the man before he was her husband proposed marriage she said she said i will marry you on one condition that you treat me as your equal not as your wife yeah, love it no not as your lover not as your wife yeah. not as your soldadera um and uh, and the other thing was like was the other condition was and you have to accept my children mm. yeah every single one of them and you have to be a father to them and what a cool guy Yes. You know what I mean? Like, let's not forget that, like, he has to be a strong man to be able to say, yes, I want you as my equal. I will accept those terms and be happy to fulfill them because I am looking for an equal and not some object 
you know. And let's let's talk about what the risk that it was to him in terms of just a male, because back then a woman making that kind of demand on a man was unheard of. So he had to risk, you know, perhaps his peers thinking he's a... Right. I'm having a hard time saying that word because that is also stereotypical of uh, of weakness in women. Um, But he did, so it does speak to him. It does speak Mm. to him as like, what an amazing... What an amazing man that can see beyond that and actually take in the presence and the totality and the fierceness of this woman and not be intimidated by it. And that that's what he actively wants, that he's not yes. he wasn't looking for an object wife, quote unquote. Yeah. He was looking for somebody that was a full person who wanted to live a life uh, like with a friend, with a partner, with a lover. And I think that that's, I would like to encourage more men to uh, think about it that way. <laughs> See footnote number four. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, what a beautiful story for you to come and share with our listeners. Thank you um, for having me. Here. And then one other question I do have for you as a writer Um so we've known each other now for almost 15 years. And through the time that we've known each other, you're always going off to these women's retreat. It's been, yeah, no, it's it's been a while. And I've actually, I'm glad you mentioned this because I've been um, urging, I've had an itch to so, go. So what, because we've always been very interested in doing one of those types of things. What do you, what is it like and what do you get out of it being a solely women's retreat? So the one, uh, the one that was solely women was Hedgebrook, and it's in Whidbey Island, right off the oh, coast right. of Seattle. Mm-hmm. So you, each woman gets there's five cottages at a time, and each woman gets her own cottage. Oh, nice. I know to it's go and write. Oh Could you God. imagine? Yeah. You, know, you you build your own fire. It's very like oh. self sustain. You you are the master of your cabin. <laughs> and um, and then every every night you have dinner together at the main house at five o'clock, but you're pretty much left on your own throughout the day. Um, and uh, I mean, what I would say about it being a women's retreat, uh, the, the obvious, which is that you can talk about things that are very intimate mm. and feel um, very um, just more common in the female mm. experience, the feminine experience. Um, Do you guys share your works while you're there together? You, or can. you can. be It's not part of the Nope, program. you can, you can. Um, you know, sometimes we stay after dinner, and if we're working on something, we want to just run it by people. We do that. We have, like, a very informal reading. Um, so it's, uh, it's just really a supportive and a safe place, which I think is really, really crucial for women and the creative process. Um, not to say I've also been on retreats with with men. And what I what I like is that the other retreats that I've been on, they've been various mediums. Oh, so yeah. I was in New Zealand. I was in this crazy, amazing house, this old house in the middle of the paddocks, which is all meadows and like 200 fucking sheep, <laughs> which God love them. They're not the brightest animals on the earth. But... Um, so, and he was a painter, him and his wife, uh, he was a painter. So it was great to see these different mediums. And I remember the last, uh, the last two days that I was there, I had written a play and I asked them to read in the play. So it's all, also these, some of these retreats, they ask you as part of the, the agreement 
to somehow find a way to offer your art or your project to the public. Mm -hmm. Somehow make it community-based and invite them in or to help the community come together. Um, That's so cool. So I've done that. I've, uh, I feel like I've been to another retreat. But, you know, my first, my first time at Hedgebrook was me literally, like, scampering around the woods, peeking in people's windows. <laughs> Stop it. And, and like, oh, my God, they're writing. Why are they writing? <laughs> <laughs> my whole first time at, like, Hedgebrook was me biking around the, the whole island. That's so I'm like, why are, people, why are people writing? I'm living. <laughs> I'll, I'll write so later. Relatable. I got to live first, then I'll write, then I have something oh to write God, about. That hurts me, like, but in a <laughs> like, real way. That's amazing. Well, how can our listeners find you and your writings? <laughs> um, well, we do a monthly uh, series. Uh, we're having it again October 25th. I'm on Facebook, Anna Maria Jamolka. Um, and uh, you can Google my name. I think I have a few things um, posted. You found that. Mm-hmm. that um, and um, other than that, I probably should be much better at social media. Ah, we well, all should. Founder, yeah. yeah. Everybody look her up. Um, everybody can Google you. Yeah. That everybody can do that. That's all you need. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and re- relaying this beautiful story about Thank someone you. that we should all be learning about in school. Um, and let's make a movie about her. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> be cool. I was going to ask. Yeah, there's no movie about her. This is a, the, the I know. Such a good Hollywood movie. tale. Oh my God. All right. Somebody go out there and make it. Or, or a play. Or yeah. A short yes, story. Absolutely. Yes. Get on that. Um, thank you guys for having me, and I'm so glad we read it to each other that night. Yes, no. Fate. No accidents. No accidents. <laughs> That's true. All well, right. thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, listeners out there. We love you. Bye. I'm Harry Mary, like to let my shag flag fly. Feel a deep connection to the caveman and his bushy thighs. But it seems my pubic afro's simply out of style. So I thought it time to take the mustache off my sideways smile. Time to take your boon and for some downstairs grooming. Didn't want nothing too crazy or clean up so I intended. So I found myself a Recommended to my surprise, my new friend didn't speak a word of English, but I think in Russian she said, Hey, me cooler, look distinguished. She trusted Magda to be smart with the precious lady parts. My legs up in the air, dreaming about my new hairdo. Next thing I know, I feel extra close to where I poo-poo. I quickly try to explain nothing much, just take a About her newly hairless taint She let another strip of wax down And I knew I lost control For the next thing I knew This lady had ripped me a new asshole She waxed me bare Left nothing where there'd been hair moments ago I waddled out that fancy spy And fired down below I hope you learned your lesson Now you're looking prepubescent Blame. Ladies and your gents out there, I'm a 